Most of the time, I assume, when Catholics are asked about where the church gets its notion of the papacy and the Pope's authority, many will point to Matthew 16, our gospel that we just heard today. And rightly so, but I think what's often overlooked, however, is the significant connection in the, that the lectionary readings make today for us between Matthew 16 and our first reading from Isaiah, chapter 22. And so what I hope to do today, my goal today, is just to present a clear explanation of the papacy and its basis in Scripture, particularly the link between these two very significant readings, Isaiah 22 and Matthew 16, that we just heard today. So let's get right to it. <laughs> For starters, uh, if we have any Lord of the Rings fans out there, which I'm sure that we do, you'll remember the character in The Return of the King, Lord Denethor. He was a, a rather arrogant and uh, shameful character in The Lord of the Rings because he was the steward of the kingdom of Gondor. But he was forgetting his place as steward and treating himself like the king, which he was not. Tolkien, by the way, being a thorough Catholic, was making an intentional parallel here with Denethor and Shebna that we heard in our first reading. Who is Shebna? Well, during the lifetime of the prophet Isaiah, the royal steward of the palace named Shebna was also forgetting his place as steward or prime minister and confusing his role with that of the king of Israel. He was, um, for example, assuming royal privileges to himself, such as having a tomb cut out for himself in the area reserved for the royal sons of David. And so as a result, the Lord God sends an oracle to Shebna through Isaiah to the effect that a more righteous man, a certain Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, will replace him in his position. So Shebna was going to be deposed, this deposed because he was assuming royal pri privileges to himself, which was not right to do, because he was a steward, not the king. So that's to help us get our bearings. But the larger context to all this, if we take a step further back, which is very important for us to understand, is, is that in the Old Testament Davidic kingdom, the king appointed a cabinet of ministers for specific tasks in the kingdom. And of these uh, ministers in his cabinet, the prime minister, or the chief steward, if you will, was was elevated to a unique status of authority. The prime minister, the chief steward, was the number two position in the kingdom. The number two position of authority after the king. And so here's where things start to get very interesting. Apparently, the badge of this office of chief steward was the wearing of the key to the palace 
on his shoulder. Which is why we hear uh, in Isaiah, quote, I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulder. Already, just from this, from these, this information alone, excuse me, it's very clear that we're talking here about an office of chief steward, which is a continuing role that was filled by one man succeeding another, as opposed to simply a position that is given to one person and ceases with his death. The, the office of steward did not cease um, when Shebna was deposed. It continued on in Eliakim. The key of the house of David passed from Shebna to Eliakim, and so on. And then we hear these words that should start to sound somewhat familiar to us. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. The chief steward in the Davidic kingdom in ancient Israel would control access to the king, either by unlocking or locking the palace doors to those who sought the king's presence and favor. But it should sound familiar because this statement, this, this statement is the one that Jesus is evoking in the gospel today. The whole exchange between Jesus and Peter today is really the climax, if you will, of, of the first half of Matthew's gospel, both because it's the first time that Jesus puts his disciples on the spot regarding his identity. That's very significant. But also because of what he is saying, what Jesus is saying to Peter here. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of another world shall not prevail against it. And here's the line that should now sound very familiar to us. Are you ready? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What does all this mean for us? Simply this. Jesus is the new Davidic king who appoints Peter today in our gospel as prime minister over the kingdom of heaven, which is manifest in the church on earth. Just as, just as in Isaiah 22, Peter's position as chief steward or prime minister is designed for him and his successors, hence the keys. The office is meant to endure for as long as the kingdom itself. And so entrusted with the keys, Peter wields Christ's own royal authority to bind and to loose, or to shut and to open. Now what does binding and loosing 
mean, especially. This is not familiar language to us, but it, it would have been familiar language to the Jews. Because um, rabbis were said to make binding interpretations of the law. What, it, what was considered lawful or unlawful behavior. Or what is considered acceptable or unacceptable doctrine. Binding and loosing also denoted the authority to include or exclude certain members of a religious community. So think of the Pope's authority and the bishops as well, by extension, to excommunicate or to restore people into back into membership in the church. And finally, binding and loosing is occasionally associated in Scripture with the spiritual authority to forgive or to retain sins. So, to sum up, Peter, whose office will continue through successors in what we now call the papacy, is invested with Christ's authority as the kingdom's chief steward. Through him, through the Pope, through Peter, heaven governs the church on earth. We should thank God, by the way, that he set up his kingdom this way. We really should. Despite our sins and failings, and even though the sins and failings and weaknesses of the popes themselves and the bishops, God is continuously faithful to his church. We have to realize this. Jesus assured us that the gates of hell would not prevail, would not withstand the power of the church, his church. The church will never be extinguished from the earth until Christ comes to fulfill all things. And he has provided her with continuing leadership, especially the successor of Peter in union with the College of Bishops. So that we need not debate endlessly about the application of the gospel to the present day, but rather have authoritative guidance. So may God be praised for providing for his people in this way.